then I can ask what I will, and it will be done for me. Praise God. That's a good promise there. All right. So we're doing things a little different on the healing scripture this time. There's actually two healing scriptures, and they combine together to make the confession. So the first healing uh, scripture is John 6.35 out of the King James, and it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And that's Jesus' words. So it's in red letters. And then uh, the second one is 1 Peter 2.24 out of the King James. It says, Who his own self bear our sins on his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. All right. So our confession for that, combining the two, is Jesus is, the, is my bread of life. I go to him and never hunger or thirst for healing or for health or healing because by his stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. Praise God. All right. So that's our announcements for today. <laughs> All three of my copies up here. Let's see. Let's pray for let's pray for the service. Lord, we come before you today and we, we ask you to join with us and to lead us and guide us to become closer to you, to learn to draw near to you as you draw near to us. Lord, we know that you will give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for, for those that are here listening and for those listening online. Lord, we know that you are always instant in season and out of season and that and that, that you are ready for us, and you know exactly what we need to hear, and we will hear it. We come seeking you and expecting to hear from you, and we come as good ground so that those words fall on good ground, and they will bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those that we come in contact with. Lord, we just know that you are here with us today. We know that we know that we know, and we thank you for that, Lord. We feel your spirit moving on us here in this in this sanctuary, Lord. It may not be full, but the Lord is here, and we know it, and, we're, and we are faithful to that. We thank you, Lord. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You must flee the name of Jesus. You must leave us be. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You are defeated foe, and we will enforce that in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your many blessings, and thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Derek, our church confession. Good morning, disciples. House. Let's stand up and do our confession together. <laughs> I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh. But I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. 
I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I holy and without blame. I am redestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror and overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am reared to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you.
Father God, hear our prayer as we say more of you and less of me. We love you. We're here to worship you. We pray that our songs are like a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Glory, 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 glory.
Yes, Lord. As the world looks like an ugly place, you are still on the throne. Amen. To you be all the honor, all the glory, all the glory, all the honor, because you, you, Lord, are holy.
holy, holy, glory, hallelujah. Father, we do lift your name on high. We do magnify you. We do glorify you. Thank you, Father God. That's one of my favorites because it just honors God for who he is, just calls out who he is. It's one of my favorites. But it's also one that if you don't do it often enough, you learn, you forget how to flow with it. You kind of, because cause, uh, the men, I, in my opinion, the men got the easy part. The ladies, we're a lot, I mean, we got to we gotta keep that song, you know, current. Or, or, or us ladies don't know how to breathe through that. Yeah, you run out of breath halfway through. Woo! But it's good to honor God. It's good to push yourself. It's good to have a good time with the Father. Yep. And if you can't have glory fun in church, God. where can you have fun? Yes. Glory, glory, <laughs> glory. Glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, the ladies had a lot of fun yesterday. We had a good time. They actually, they, they were doing this thing over in Cleveland called Tangled Tinsel. Uh, Tangled Tinsel, I think is what it was. And they had all these handmade crafters. In in the mall, and and uh, I think that Miss Sue found us the best find of all. Oh my goodness! There was some people there. They had a teeny tiny little bitty baby monkey. Uh, uh, what, what that sloth was? What seven weeks old? No, they were. But yeah, the, the sloth, sloth was seven. Yes, yeah, they had a sloth. And they had, yeah, I know. I thought, because they said, oh, he's only seven weeks old. I thought they had a stuffed animal with him. She turned around. She said, no, that's the sloth. I said, yeah, she said, that's his rear, that's her rear end. And I said, really? She said, yeah. And then they had, they had a, 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 a joey, a baby kangaroo. Oh, wow. And you could pay $20 and pet, and hold one of them, pet one of them, get your picture taken. And uh, Sue said, Sue, Sue said, you, you're not going to do that? I said, listen, I said, you get me in there and you can get me. I said, you, if I get near that kangaroo, I'm going to grab it and I'm going to run. Because <laughs> Michael didn't bring me one home from, bring one home to me from Australia. I said, so it's better that I stay on this side of the fence. Uh, but they were so cute. Oh, my goodness. They were so cute. And they were talking. They were so sweet. Uh, but no, we had a good time. We, we had a lot of good finds and, and, um, you know, God's always so faithful. <laughs> it was so funny. The only thing I asked the Lord for this time, I said, Lord, I really want some shoes. And the first shoe place, the first shoe place we went to, I was like, well, that's not exactly what I need. And the second shoe place we went to, they had a big sale on and I got me three pairs of shoes and I loved it. Of course, only one pair of them were dress shoes, but that's okay. And then I went to the next shoe store, and there was another pair of dress shoes that I liked. And I said, that's so good. And the only other, other thing I asked the Lord for was, I said, Lord, I need some just straight jackets that I can mix match with. And found those and got a great price on those. And it was funny. I, I kind of was looking at some shirts, and I tried a couple of them on. And the first one, I thought, well, that'll look all right. And I put it on, and oh, no, Lord Jesus, no. It wasn't a good look at all. And I put the second one on, and it was all right, but no. And and I looked, I said, I don't know about this. The arms are loose. The body's kind of tight. I don't know. And Brandon said, well, it's not. She said, are you going to preach in it? And I said, well, that's what I would buy it for. She said, oh, no, Pastor. I said, okay, well, that's what I thought. And uh, and it was real funny because I, I was, you know, when, I don't, you men don't have this problem, but us ladies, you go shopping, and, and all of a sudden you figure out where all your bumps and lumps and curves are. 
And uh, you can get real discouraged real fast. It's a good opportunity for Satan to walk in the door is really what it is. And uh, so when I tried on the two shirts, I kind of got discouraged real quick. And that feeling came on me. And then all of a sudden I said, no, wait a minute. I didn't ask the Lord to provide me shirts. I asked the Lord to provide me shoes. And, and he's provided me shoes. And I'm perfectly fine. I'm not upset about this. I wasn't talking to the Lord about dress shirts. And, uh, and then we went into the and then we went into the last store and there was my two jackets and I said, "Well, Jesus, you're wonderful." But I think if I had gotten my attitude and got all in the dumps, I wouldn't have found my jackets. So uh, you, you just gotta you just gotta sometimes you just gotta take control of your feelings and your emotions and and your thoughts and just say, "No, we're not doing this today." Well, this morning I want to, we're going to talk to you about um, the connection between meditation and faith. The connection between meditation and faith. Uh, how much of you know the Bible says that we walk by faith? Uh, and, and, you know, and that word, and I've talked about this a lot many times in the past, talked a lot about, you know, um, I'm, I'm an old, old-fashioned cartoon person. And so there's two words that really stand out to me um, that always make me think of, you know, the old cartoons where the letters would come falling out of the sky and squish the cartoon characters. And the two words that I always think of with that scene is the word sin, because it's just big and overwhelming and crushing. You say sin to somebody, and they just kind of just, just, oh, they just have all kinds of emotions. And then the other word is faith. The other word is faith. Um, and, and the reason it is such an overwhelming uh, word to people is because many people try to make faith more complicated than it is. They try to make it so much more complicated, and they say things like, well, if I just had faith. Well, the Bible tells us that God gave every man a measure of faith, a measure of faith. So everybody has faith. Uh, but you have to, you, you, there's growing faith, which your faith grows by hearing the word, but then there's exercising faith, which adds strength to your faith. Um, and so many people will try to exercise their faith without first growing their faith, uh, and then they don't get any results and they don't understand why. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you're trying to get fit and you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get your body in order. Um, and some people will cut calories, cut calories, cut calories, but they still sit on the couch all day. They don't really get up and do anything. They don't change their routine to burn more calories. Um, and then other people are working out, working out. I mean, they're, they're going to the gym before work, after work. They're doing exercises between work. But they're still eating their calories like there's no tomorrow. In fact, if they're like me, they're eating more calories because exercising makes them hungry. Right. <laughs> you know, but no, you have to have the, you've got to have the nourishment. You've got to have the food along with the activity, with the working. Um, and, and so how do you do that? Well, uh, the feeding is the meditating. The feeding is the meditating. And then the exercising the faith is called using it. You have to use your faith. You have to use your faith. And the other problem that people have is people... <laughs> the Lord gives me images. It's so funny. The other, the other uh, area that people make so many mistakes is they go, Well, I have faith, 
So I'll just jump out there and use it for something huge that they've not built their ability up to. Kind of like, you know, when you were younger, you went to the gym and you could bench press and, and lift. And, yeah, he just gave me the look. He knows the look that the Lord gave me. <laughs> and and uh, you're, you're doing all these things to try. And you remember back in the day when you could leg press or lift or squish or whatever these things. And, uh, and, uh, and then, um, so, but you ain't been to the gym in 10 or 20 years. But you remember back when. And so you get on the machine and you go, oh, I can, oh, I can, you know, and the trainer person that starts you out, they say, well, let's start you out down here low. And you go, oh, no, I can do that. Last time I lifted, I was able to do 250, 300, whatever. And if they put it, they put that pin up and you go to do it, next thing you know, you are hurting. You are, you are, you are having some drama. Uh, why? Because you haven't used those muscles in that manner in some time. Uh, so one thing about walking by faith is you need to put your faith on something every day. You need to exercise faith every single day. Every day. Well, I don't always have a faith need every day. Well, you should. I mean, just getting out here on the road driving, you need your faith. Right. You just need your faith just to drive. <laughs> you just, you need your faith just to drive. You need your faith just to pay your bills, you know, sometimes. Uh, you know, and some people are like, no, i got money in the bank account. Well, guess what? What if the bank's left tomorrow? What if the banks didn't open tomorrow? What if what if something happened? You know, what if a tornado or a hurricane something came through and you couldn't access your money? Uh, you need to know how to believe and trust God for supply. Amen. For supply, and so many Christians reach a certain place in faith, and they get comfortable, and then they get complacent. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I, you know, I've uh, when I first started with the faith thing. One of the best ways that the pastor taught us how to exercise our faith uh, was with driving. He said, how many of you like it when somebody gets up on your bumper? Anybody like it when somebody gets up on your bumper? You know, we don't like it at all. So this is what he said. This is, how, this is one of the ways that he uh, showed me that, that, that through his preaching and teaching that the word works. It's a great way to get people to understand that the word works. He said, when you're driving and somebody gets up on your bumper, number one, don't get mad, irritated, and frustrated. Stay in love. Well, that's that's gonna that's gonna that's challenge. That's a hard one right there. That's gonna challenge your flesh. Stay in love. He said, don't get mad and upset and irritated. He said, but what I want, but what instead, what you need to do is you need to just look at that car in your rear view mirror, rear, rear view mirror, and look at that car and sternly say, back off in the name of Jesus. And then just praise the Lord that the word works. And that can be, that's also a very hard part because you're watching, are they going to back up? Are they going to, because your mind automatically goes, the devil automatically comes with a thought, it ain't going to work. They ain't going to listen. It ain't going to pay no attention. So you have to immediately go, no, no, no. Father, I thank you that it's working. Father, I thank you that they'll turn, that they'll back off. And, and slowly they'll back off. And then when, you know, and you get some faith in it, you're like, man, this works. And you start doing it all the time. Well, then you get that obstinate driver. They, they back, you tell them to back off, they back off, and they come right back on your bumper again. And, and then you're like, 
And that challenges your faith. And then, so what do you do in that situation? Well, that's when you learn to get a little bolder. That's when you practice some boldness. And you say, listen, you disobedient driver, I told you to back off in the name of Jesus. Now back off right now. And all of a sudden, you'll see them back off. And you go, hey, that's pretty cool. Hey, that's pretty nice. Another area that I learned to work it uh, was uh, with hiccups. Hiccups. Hiccups, that sounds crazy. Well, if you had hiccups like I had hiccups, you'd use the name of Jesus on hiccups too. I had hiccups so, I'd get them so severely, and they'd be so loud uh, that they were very disruptive. And there has been um, like an occasion or two where I have been asked to leave the store because I was disrupting other customers' shopping experience. Now, if my husband has been with me in those situations, he has hid on another aisle and acted like he didn't know me. Nope. (laughs) I don't know her. Mm -mm, I'm going away. I thought, well, there's some love right there. (laughs) I'm like, come on. Uh, So what do you have? So I learned. So so what did I do? I learned to exercise my faith because I'd lay my hands on my stomach and I'd say, listen here, stomach. We ain't doing this in the name of Jesus. Now, you hiccups, you go in the name of Jesus and don't return. And guess what the whole body do? It hiccup. One of the biggest ones, loudest ones, most painful ones. Because they were so painful that after every one I'd go, oh. Because they were painful. Oh. And uh, so the oh was almost as dramatic as the hiccup. And so here come a hiccup. And then I would have to do Oh, do I go, oh, well, the word doesn't work? No. No. I got to say, no, body, I told you, you will not hiccup. And then you hold your breath, then you'll just hold on for as long as you can. You don't let yourself hiccup. You do your everything you can to not allow it. And then within a minute or two, they go. Um, Then uh, practice healing, faith for healing. Uh, I had, I had a, you know, you guys know we have birds, and at that time we had a lot of birds, and I had a little love bird, and uh, he had a little cyst on his eye. And uh, at that time we were still learning how to operate by faith for prosperity, and money was tight, and didn't have the money to take him to the vet or anything. And, uh, and uh, I just, so I just said, you know what? The Bible tells me that I'm supposed to preach the gospel to every creature. And the Bible tells me to lay hands on the sick. It didn't say the sick people. It said the sick. Uh, Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then the Bible says that a righteous man, meaning mankind, regards the the life of his beast. So I said, you know what? I reached in their little cage. I snatched her out. I stuck my thumb right on top of her eye. And I said, you you, uh Sist, you foul sickness and disease, this is my animal. I'm the righteousness of God. The word says I can lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So I command this cyst, this whatever it is, to dry up and fall off, to dry up from the root, to fall off and to cause no more problems in Jesus' name. I put the bird back in the cage and went about my business. And I, the next day I went out there to feed her because uh, she was out, in the, out in the, with the other birds. I went out there to feed her and that thing was gone. The cyst was gone gone then i got over there and uh 
I found out, I saw in the, I saw in the scriptures where they talked about, uh, he talked about, I think it was over in James, I hadn't looked at the scripture in some time, uh, Mari will probably find it for me, where it talked about that, uh, the prophet of God, Elijah, uh, could, uh, told the sun to stand still. And it did. And how he, and he talked about how he, how he told it not to rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And I said, well, now, Lord, your word says that you're no respecter of persons. And if an Old Testament prophet can tell it to not rain and it not rain for three and a half years, surely I can tell it to stop raining where I'm at so I can get the work done that I need to get done. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, Hebrews says without faith it's impossible to please God. And I like to please God. So I thought, well, we're just going to. Now, I, I, I said, well, Lord, I know that your word, I, I know that there is no try. There's only do when it comes to the word. So many people try the word. They said, well, I tried that word thing and it doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't work. You have what you say. You said it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. I mean, Hello. The youth used to, I used to drive the youth crazy. They'd go, I'll try, Pastor. I said, no, there ain't no try, there's only do. Try, try not, there's only, you know, only do it. They're like, did you just quote Yoda? And I said, apparently so. I said, no, I think Yoda quoted Jesus, really. I really think. And uh, so I thought about it, and I said, well, Lord, I said, I know with your word, there's only, there is only do. So... And your word says that if I abide in you and your word abides in me, that I shall ask whatever I want that, of course, agrees with the word, and, uh, and I can have it. And so, Lord, uh, I see here in the word where the prophet was able to speak to the rain. So, Lord, I'm going to speak to the rain, and I'm going to command it to stop because uh, I need it. I can't deal with it the way it's I can't get done what I need to get done. And so I spoke to the rain and commanded it to stop, and guess what? About two, three minutes later, it stopped, and I thought, man, this is the greatest thing ever. I thought, man, we've even got control over the weather. This is cool, Jesus. And then, and about that time, you know, we were doing youth, and, uh, you know, the silly things we do in church. Don't worry, we'll get to some scriptures. The silly things that we do and the restrictions we put on God, you know, it, it amazes me that churches do fundraisers. Oh, it just got real quiet in this Pentecostal house. It amazes me that churches do fundraisers. I was raised in a church where every time you turned around, you were doing a fundraiser. I was raised in a church where the where uh, my grandmother literally practically worked her fingers to the bone making and creating stuff for the church to sell uh, so that they could just pay for basic needs of the church. And I thought... and. Um, so when I came into youth ministry, I thought that, uh, Jesus, the only way we're going to get to do anything in the youth group is to do fundraisers. And, and don't get me wrong, especially with the youth doing a fundraiser to help teach the kids a work ethic, that's not a bad thing to do. Get some good fellowship, get some good lessons, get some community service in there. That's, there there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you what, we wore ourselves out with bake sales and car washes and Oh, good Lord Jesus, the rockathons. Oh, my goodness, the rockathons. What's a rockathon? 
Well, that's when you get a rocking chair for every teenager in the church, and they go around and they ask people that if I sit in a rocking chair for if I sit in a rocking chair and I rock without stopping, will you pay me X dollars for every hour that I rock? And people say, well, sure. So we put these kids in these rocking chairs for for 12 to 24 hours and make them, and, you know, they, they get little potty breaks. Rocking the night away. And, I mean, they'd <laughs> rock and rock and rock. I mean, they'd come up with some creativity, too, because they'd hold on to one another, and they'd take little naps. they say, you take a nap, I'll rock you, and then when you get up, I'll rock you while you nap. I mean, they'd get real creative. And, listen, by the time I was done, I thought my bed rocked. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just some rough stuff that we put ourselves through. And then, um, oh, then we come across a man that uh, just changed our theology. He just absolutely unended our theology. He kicked our sacred cow so hard, it shattered. He said... He said, listen, he said, when my wife and I used to do youth ministry, he said, we never did fundraisers. Excuse me? He said, we never did fundraisers. He said, I don't believe in doing fundraisers. I said, excuse me? He said, well, the word says that the ministry belongs to God and that God will supply it. He said, so why am I trying to supply something that God has already supplied? Amen. He said, we teach our children's church how to use their faith. He said, we teach them how to pray for finances. And then we teach them that now when an opportunity comes for you to raise money, you go out and mow somebody's grass or leaves or whatever, you go out, you mow that, you do that labor, you get the money, you bring it in, you sow it because that's what you believe in God for. And I said, wait, you do what? He said, we taught them how to believe for money. I said, you mean you taught them how to do the scriptures? He said, yep. I said, uh, Michael, you and me and Jesus got to have a conversation. Because this fundraiser business is, uh, we ain't doing this no more. Well, so, about half the time you'd do a fundraiser, you'd spend so much money on the fundraiser that you barely broke even after you got the money. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. So we just began to teach our youth how to use their faith, and uh, we stopped that fundraising business. And honestly, that's how we run this church. We don't fundraise. We, we go to Jesus in faith. We go to Jesus in faith. In fact, in the office, we've got a great big billboard, a uh, p- uh, pork board, and when a bill comes in, I grab me a tack and a yellow highlighter, and I highlight the date that it's due, and I highlight the amount, and I stick it to the board, and I go, Jesus, you got mail. I do. That's how, I do. That's how we run the church. And guess what? I'm always overwhelmed with how God provides. Amen. Always. Because he doesn't just, bring, he doesn't just barely bring it in. He, he, he comes in in an abundance. Now, I will tell you that living that way uh, and, and funding the church that way 
gives me many marvelous opportunities to resist doubt and unbelief and to walk in faith. Because the Lord Jesus never shows up early. Never. Never. There's been many of times that I have, and and here's the other thing. I don't ever look at the check account until it's time to pay bills. Ever. I don't ever. I don't ever look at the offering before it's time for them to be deposited. And honestly, I don't even look at the deposits now until they're deposited. Because uh, Miss Ann is doing that, handles that for us. And then I go back and I double check all of it for her, double check everything. So here's what happens. The ushers, they take it back and they stick the money in the safe. I never see it. I don't have a clue. Michael doesn't have a clue. The money stays in the safe until Miss Ann comes in to do the deposit. She comes in. She writes up the deposit. One of us reviews the deposit. And we go, well, praise Jesus. Goes to the bank. And... uh, by, and then when the, towards the end of the month, when all the bills are due for the beginning of the next month, I pull up the bank account stuff and I go, wow, Jesus, that much came in? That's amazing. Wow. But I can't tell you how many times I have wept and cried over the goodness of God because there's like, and, and I weep, weep and cry over the change and everything that comes in. Why? Because I'm exercising my faith continually. Every time we've had a guest minister come in, they are overwhelmed with how much this little bitty church blesses them. I mean, they're overwhelmed by it. I mean, they, they, they're like, are you sure? Yeah, we're sure. That's how much actually came in. That's how much actually came in during the meeting. Yeah, that's how much came in during the meeting. Wow. I mean, this is why. Because we exercise our faith. We exercise our faith. Um, Listen, don't wait until you get a diagnosis of cancer to build your faith for healing. Don't wait until you get in a car accident uh, for you to start to build your faith. (laughs) Ask Pastor Mike. Don't wait until you cut your foot with a chainsaw uh, to build your faith. Because if you wait to build your, and I know a lot of Christians do this, especially young ones. They say, oh, my body's healthy. I don't ever need, I don't ever have any sickness. I don't have any issues. I don't have any problems. And they never build their faith. This is why we do healing scriptures every single week. It's to help you build your faith because most Christians won't do it on their own. Most Christians will not build their faith on their own. And so we help to build it for you. And I mean, we built faith. I mean, we, we, I built my faith on scratches, on bumps, on bruises. You ever stub your toe? Do you, do you exercise your faith when you stub your toe? Most people go, oh, I can live with it. Not me. I stub my toe and I say immediately out of my mouth, even in the middle of pain, I say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that my bones are not broken. In fact, that doesn't even leave a mark. Father, I thank you. You bump, you run into something, knock something over. Most people go, oh, that's going to leave a mark. Oh, that's going to leave a bruise. Not me. Father, I thank you that there will be no bruise in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you there will be no injury in Jesus' name. Father, I was healed, therefore I am healed, therefore no sickness can touch me. 
flu season comes, everybody, oh, it's flu season. Oh, it's allergy season. Listen, when you're working with teenagers, you better learn how to heal, how to deal with your faith on healing. Because they're going to come in, they're going to go snot snorting everywhere, and they're going to go, Mr. Harvey, Pastor Mark, I'm sick. Okay. And, I mean, they're going to blow, they're going to have an emotional time. They're going to blow snot all over you and tears all over you. And they're all, they're going to be like, can I have a sip of your drink? They're choking. I'm like, did I not tell you to bring your drink? Listen, you got to say, you got to learn, you got to learn to live by faith and sanctify these things. Yep. You got, you got to learn. Listen. Listen. They, they, I mean, they'll be talking to you and cough and sneeze all over you. I had one. I had one one time. Oh, Lord Jesus. I had one one time. They were having a, an emotional time. And they, I mean, they cried and blew snot all over me. And then I got done. I said, are you okay now? Are you stable now? You got it put together now? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I got a strep throat. Oh, Jesus. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Jesus! The blood. You you better learn. Now, now Ben, listen to me. I I know what it's like. You're a man. You don't want to depend on nobody. And, and And you're young and you're healthy. Young adults as well. You're young and healthy, and you're like, I don't need God to help me get healed. I, I'm I'm doing just fine on my own. I got no problems. And 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 this is understandable because we're trained this way, you know. But 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 that's not how the kingdom of God works. No. God wants us to depend on to turn to Him and depend on Him and share our lives with Him. He does not want us to to wait until. We're in a bad car accident, and we're we're looking at maybe never walking again, or maybe having to change a job, or maybe getting a, something amputated before we start going. Hey, God, I, I need your help. Yeah. No. That's not the time. Because that's start. not when you build your faith. You build your faith on the little things. You should start with the little things. You know, when you stub your toe, like Robbie said, when you stub your toe, God, thank God, it's healed. Yeah. You most know? people said break out in profanities. Most people break out praising the devil. But you know. And in my house, it doesn't work that way either. You know, when 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 I was little, when all of us were were little, we would if we got a boo boo, we would go to mama, looking for sympathy. Oh, mama, mama, I got a boo boo. You see my boo boo? Can you put, can you help me? You know, and and she and she'd kiss it and, and make it all better and everything would be fine. You know what? I, it, that doesn't really end when you get to be an adult. It just changes a little bit. I, I go, I get a boo boo, and I go to my wife and honey, I've I've heard I've got. I've, I've got this sore, and she's like, "Do you pray over it?" <sighs> no. <laughs> Guess I should have thought of that first. And that's what she does to me every time. I, I think I tell you, I thank God for my wife because she, she's she's helping me build my faith by by making me do what I should what I oh, should yeah, do have... right from the start. Yeah, because we have a three day rule in our house. We do. We have a three, yeah, and I'm I'm on it. What's the three day rule, honey? 
I'm only allowed to sit around and whine for three days, and then I got to get over it. <laughs> I tell him on the begin the, the a.m. of the third day. I look at him and I go, if you ain't prayed, you better get to praying because the sympathy is out the door by the time the sun sets. And he's like, but, but I'll tell you this, that was the rule so well that three days after being home from his, about, it wasn't three days, it was about five days after being home from his, from, from my chainsaw he, injury. From his chainsaw injury, he was outside. The doctor's like, you need to stay off of that, stay in this boot, keep your foot on the ground. Three days later, I was up doing stuff because I was like, no, I have I got three days. He was outside on the other side of the creek cutting wood and loading it in a wheelbarrow and bringing it in. With my little my little boot on, on one <laughs> foot. And Robbie's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's cold. I want some firewood. I got to get it. He said, I'm getting me some firewood. I said, Michael, there's firewood stacked. He said, I, he literally I'm, looked at me and he out. said, you give me three days, it's been five. I Okay, Jesus. But see, this, is, this it's good that she's doing that to me because it teaches me. You know, you have to start with the little things. And God, and this is the way God wants you to operate. You Something wrong? Tell me about it. He, he, doesn't, say, he doesn't say think about it or dwell on it or mull it over. He says, tell me about it. He says, he says, he says let me know what you need and I will provide it. That's right. You know, That's right. As, as long as you believe that. He's going to do it. Yeah. But yeah. you have to practice it on the little things. You can't start with a chainsaw accident. No. Thank God I didn't start with a chainsaw no. accident. Yeah. But when that chainsaw accident happened, I didn't lose my cool. No. I mean, I cut it, cut, cut firewood at, at, at one of our church members' houses. And, and I went, and it was, it was right at the end of the day. You know, it's getting late. It's cold. It's like January or the January first. January. Well, it was. I think it was December thirty-first. No, 31st, it was January first. Anyways, it was right at the end of the month. The next day, it was supposed to be well below freezing, and I was not coming back the next day to finish up this little bit of work I had to do. So, but the Holy Spirit said, "That's it. You're done. You need to stop. You need to quit." And I was like, "No, I got just this one more log, and now I'm done." Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I got this Holy Ghost. I, I, I missed something there. I, I did. I missed something. And and I paid for it because cause I went right through that, that wood and I hit a rotten spot and it went boop. And I was like, oh, I bumped my boot. That's all it felt like. When I looked down and saw chunks, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but I didn't lose it. No? I, I'd been trained, military trained, force <laughs> service trained. Wife I knew trained. exactly what to do. Wife trained. Yeah. <laughs> Wife trained. <laughs> I, I, I got down. I put pressure on it. I called the the uh, I, the, the guys were there that, whose house I was working at, and I was like, "Hey, y'all, come on over here." And they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Y'all gonna have to take me to the hospital." They're like, "Why?" I was like, "See?" <laughs> they're like, <gasps> "So they start panicking," and I'm sitting there going, "No, no, calm down. Y'all gonna have to carry me to the car." They're like, "We don't know how." I'm like, "I'll tell you." I told him how to pick me up and how to carry me to the car. And we got in the car, and Tom get, Tom starts driving to the hospital, which is only five minutes away. It's, I mean, he doesn't live far from the hospital. And he's driving like 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 he like he's on the Indianapolis 500 on these curvy roads. And I'm like, no, 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 slow down. He's like, we want to arrive alive. <laughs> Please let us arrive alive. It'll be okay. It's it's not bleeding all over the place. I've got pressure on it. It'll be okay. You know? We get to the hospital and. 
and uh, he, he goes in, gets the wheelchair, and comes out, and, and wheels me in, and they take me straight back, and, and they're like, what's wrong? I said, I cut myself with a chainsaw. And they're like, really? I was like, really? <laughs> and so I showed them, and there's this nice, this is the first time I really looked good at it, and there's this nice cut in my boot. I mean, real nice cut, nice clean cut. We still have the boot. Yep. And... Yep, and, that's a big. That's a big. And I'm, I'm just like, it's a, eh, okay, it's a, big, I know it's what a I'm trophy. Doing. But they, uh, yeah, it's a paid trophy. But they, uh, they started uh, cutting the boot off my foot and and uh, taking the foot out, and I could see a little bit of blood, just a tiny little bit of blood on the sock, and they peeled that off, and and all of a sudden it started hitting me. I was like, whoo! <laughs> I was like, you need to get some help. I'm going into shock. Yeah. You oh. know. And 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 then they're like, well, well what? You, they got me back there, got me sedated, and and, got, and they're like, is there anything we can get for you? Anybody we can call for you? I said, yes. Call my pastor. Call my wife. I need them both. And he came. Yep. yep. And and they prayed. They prayed over the surgeon, and and I and the surgeon's like, surgeon's like, I'm going to tell you, there's this kind of injury. I've never done anything with this kind of injury before. I've never done a chainsaw injury. I don't know what I'm doing. You're probably going to have to end up going down to a specialist in Atlanta and having multiple surgeries. He said. He says. He says I've never done this, but we're gonna, but we at least got to tie you up and get you stabilized yep, and clean it and clean it. And and he says now it's a chainsaw injury. There's dirt. There's all kinds of stuff in there. He says you're gonna. You've got 110 percent chance of that that you're going to have infection in this foot and and it's going to require more surgeries and you're probably going to walk with a cane for the rest of your life if you if if you're able to do that and and all this other stuff and and I was like no nope. my god's bigger than that I said we're going to pray over you and it's going to be fine it yep. was yep that was the only surgery you ever had never had an infection in fact, talking about and meditating, we're talking about connecting meditation with faith. Um, you know, when when the doctor tells you, I've never worked on a chainsaw injury before. That's a when, good opportunity to get in panic. Yeah. When he says, it, uh, chainsaw doesn't cut, it chews. He said, I'm basically going to be doing surgery on hamburger meat. He said, really, the only thing I can do at this point is go in and clean it. Try to reconnect as much as I can reconnect. He said there's three tendons that go to that toe. He said, and uh, I'm on. He said I, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to find the tendons, and we'll see. And he said, but I. He said you are guaranteed to get an infection, 110% chance of infection. He said because there's grease, there's wood, there's insects, there's dirt, there's oil, gas, everything. I mean, this is this is one of the filthiest cuts you and can he ever says, get. He I'm going to try and clean it up, but I probably won't get everything. Yeah, he said. And he didn't. Yeah, he said. He said. He even said. He said. There's there's going to be chunks of your boot in 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 your foot. He said. He said. It was, this is, this it was nearly nearly nine months after that the initial thing that uh, that I got a little pimple on the back of my my uh, foot and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and I finally just was squishing on it because it was painful. And out comes a chunk, a chunk of, my of leather. Boot. Yeah, a chunk of the boot comes out. But I never got infection. Yeah. Um, but here's why we didn't get an infection. We took the word of God. So meditation. Go to, well, let's get some scriptures. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11. You know, it's one thing to teach out of head knowledge. It's another thing to teach out of revelation and experience. And if you'll listen carefully, you'll learn some things about how to push through um, for healing. Now, you need to understand that prior to his injury, we were believing God that uh, when we did bumps and scrapes that we would not have bruises, we would not have broken bones, um, we would not uh, have any major injuries. When we'd get a headache before we ever took any aspirin, we commanded the headache to go in Jesus' name. Uh, I had... uh, I had been attacked with sickness all the days of my life, so when I came in back into the body of Christ, the first thing I studied was, was I studied faith, Holy Ghost, and healing. Those were the three areas. I mean, I just saturated myself, and uh, and so we. I mean, I healing was something we had really worked on. Um, uh, we had I had it, I had gotten my eyes miraculously healed by the by the Lord. Um, we had that in our trophy. Uh, we had had some other minor injury trophies. We had uh, we had seen his father healed of um, cancer. cancer. Uh, we had gone and prayed over uh, several people for for various cancer situations, and had, we'd actually seen that laying on of hands worked. Uh, I mean, we had we had we had seen and heard a lot of things. This is why it's good to be in a church, is because it's in the church that you hear the testimonies. And, and you run into people that can, can teach you how to do these things. So we had been building our faith. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this. It says, now faith is. You need to underline that. Faith is. So many people says, what is faith? Well, faith is the substance. What is a substance? A substance is something tangible that you can put your eyes or your hands on. There's something tangible. Faith is something tangible or or, or the substance of things hoped for. If you're hoping for something, there needs to be something tangible that you can look to that says, I'm hoping and I'm believing for that. I'm hoping I'm believing for that. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So there's a, there's there's got to be a there's got to be some physical evidence, some tangible touch to the fact that you're believing. Well, what is that? Well, the words of your mouth is evidence. You can when people say, you know, if you're truly believing for something. Somebody somewhere should be aware of it because they should be hearing you talk about it. You know, uh, you know, Disney World, and I know Disneyland and Disney World, and I know they're they're gone off the rails. But in the beginning, uh, Walt Disney he had a vision. He had a vision. He had a dream. And most people that he talked to told him it was impossible. Told him you couldn't do it. Told him it wouldn't work. And he went when he. I mean, he was just bombarded with disbelief. But what he did is he kept talking to people until he found people that could believe for what he saw. And then when he found those people, he kept them very close to him. Uh, Thomas Edison with the light bulb. 
Uh, how much do you know there was evidence that he believed that he could that he could develop a light bulb? He had a thousand fails. And he had the physical evidence of the thousand fails, but he also, but that was also physical evidence of his faith. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. You know, uh, if you listen to a lot of artists, if you go back and you listen to their biographies or things like that, they'll say, I always believed I could be an actor. Or I just, it was, it was my goal. It was what I went for. I, they, they, they talk about how they always were doing something to get them there. Well, faith is no different. Faith is no different at all. Uh, but, but there should be some substance, something that you're going for. One minister we were, uh, that I was listening to was teaching on faith, and he was raising his kids, learning how to be in faith. And, yeah, the, fun, the family had money to get them what they needed, but they always taught their kids, this is our money. you got to believe God for what you want. Not that they wouldn't bless their kids and take care of them, but they're trying to teach them faith. So the extras in life, uh, they made their kids believe for them. And so one of their sons wanted this specialized bike of some type, you know, trick bike or something like that. And so they taught them there's got to be some substance. There's got to be some evidence that this is what you're believing for. Well, they got up one morning, and there were pictures of this bike everywhere. They opened the cereal cabinet. There's a picture of his bike. On the front of the refrigerator, there's a picture of his bike. Oh, In his bathroom, on his mirror, there's a picture of his bike. What was he doing? He was keeping the vision of it before him. And there were little notes that said, and, there were, and with every picture there was a scripture that he was standing on. And every time he'd go to the cabinet, he'd quote that scripture. And he'd say, Father, I thank you that I believe. He said, Father, I believe that I have received. And he'd list off this thing that he wants. And, uh, and he'd quote the word with it. What was he doing? He was giving substance to his faith and uh meditation is substance now i want you to jump over to verse six verse six these are some key elements about faith some key elements all right verse six but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so let's look at this first phrase but without faith, it is impossible. impossible to believe. Brother Randy teaches on this scripture a lot. And he says, in order to find out how to please God, why don't we have, find out what, this, what, what the opposite of pleasing God is? Well, the opposite of pleasing God is impossible, right? It says impossible. So he said, I did a great thing. He said, I went and I looked up the word impossible. Do you know what the definition of impossible is? Not possible. They've been around Brother Randy. Not possible. You look up impossible in the dictionary and it says not possible. So, without faith, it is not possible to please God. Now, we've learned this about the scriptures. Every time there's a colon, what he is fixing to say gives us more information about what he just said. 
So we understand that this is very important. He said, for he, talking about, for he that cometh to God, that he, he's talking about the you's and I's. Me's, the you, I's, and me's. If we are going to come to God, we first must believe that he, God, is. You must first believe that God is God. You can't wishy-wash. It's very interesting. I ask Christians, would you believe in God? Especially if they're having a hard time, if they're really struggling in their faith. The first thing I ask them, do you, I, said, I'm, I tell them, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. They go, okay. And I said, and I need you to be 100% honest. And they go, okay. I said, because if you tell me what you know the right answer should be is, if that's the answer you give me and not your truthful answer, this ain't going to work. And they'll go, okay, so you need to be completely honest. That's an interesting concept for Christians. But, yep, I need you to be completely honest. And they go, okay, what's your question? I said, do you believe that God is real and that he is who he says he is? And they go, well, I know that the right answer is that there is a God and that God is real. But also I'm being real honest. I'm just not sure. Well, first of all, that's why things aren't working for you. Because the first thing about faith is you've got to know that God is. You can't question. You can't waver. You can't be moved. God is God. End of story. And God is the big G God, not a little G God. He's not one of a thousand gods or a million gods. He's the one and only true God. He is the God. He is God. That's number one. Number two is that he, God, is a rewarder. Do you understand what a rewarder is? A rewarder is a God that pays wages. If, do you believe that God will pay you wages if you will diligently seek him? You need to underline that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. God doesn't reward you simply because you received Jesus as Savior. God doesn't reward you simply because you've made Jesus Lord. God rewards because you are diligently seeking him. In other words, what, is our, what, was our, what was our in him for today? Go to John 14. John 14. See, without faith, we can't please him. But if we're not seeking him, it's impossible for us to be in faith. It's another way. We go back to that verse real quick on the board. Y'all go ahead and go to John 14. Keep that up on the verse. Notice right here. We can read it this way. It's impossible to please God with, if, without diligently seeking him. If you are not diligently seeking God, you're not pleasing to God. Do you hear me? If you're not diligently seeking, and that word diligent means that you put forth a, a very um, 
involved effort. It's a very, it's not a casual effort. It's, I'm going to, uh, the bulletins were giving me a hard time this morning. I mean, they were giving me a hard time this morning. And I find, I started to get flustered. And finally, I said, you know what? I said, today's my anniversary, and I'm going to have a good day. I said, I said, this copier is not, this, this printer is not going to get the better of me today. I went in there, and I, yes, I did. I literally put my hands on the copier, and I said, you will work properly in the name of Jesus. You will not frustrate me. You will print these bulletins, and you will not interfere with my day. <laughs> and I'm like, come on now. What, why am I able to do that? Because I diligently know that my God will take care of my needs. And I know that my angels have toolkits. My, my phones <laughs> have landed in the water more times than I can count. And I have, I mean, my phone in one week went in the water, came out of the water, went in the toilet, came out of the toilet, thankfully it was a clean toilet, uh, went into the deep freezer, at the walk-in freezer at my job, was in there for several hours, and every time I just grabbed my phone, I'd speak to it, I said, Father, I thank you that you even help me when I do stupid things. Now, I thank you. That you call, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, and you cause my things to last. So phone, you will work in the name of Jesus. And that phone just kept on the ticking. I mean, just kept on the ticking. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And uh, that was a habit for a long time. And finally, I said, you know, Lord, I said, I think I need to change my thinking. And I think I need to change my confession. Because I used to say... My, my, phone lands in the water, my phone lands in the water frequently, but Jesus always keeps it working. And I finally changed it to my phone no longer finds the water. You know, my phone finally stays out of the water. Thank okay, you, so Jesus. John 15? Uh, yeah. John, I said 14. I meant 15. John 15. John 15. Verse 7. Back up just a little bit. Oh, okay. Let's back, up to, let's back up to verse 4. All righty. <clears throat> verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, or you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Look at this. Look at this. Look at what Jesus said. This is so phenomenal. Look at this. He said, he said, I am the vine. You are the branch. In other words, you know, if I, if I popped this branch off of this orchid, how much, you know, that flower's going to look pretty for a little while, but it's already, but as soon as I pop it off, it starts the dying process. If I separate that flower from this plant, that's the end of that flower. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you get separated from me, the, the moment you separate yourself from me is the moment that you begin to die. Yep. The moment you cut yourself from me, the moment that you say, no, no, Jesus, I don't need you, is the moment that you begin to die. 
the moment. And then he said, he that abideth in me. And who's doing the work here? No, no, no. He that abideth in me. We got to do the work. We got to do the, the abiding. It's our job to stay attached to the vine. It's our job to stay attached. He said, if you will get attached to me and stay attached, then I will abide in you. So many believers want Jesus to do all the work. And Jesus said, I've already done the work. You want to get in on my work? Then you got to do the work to get in with me. Listen, we don't, yeah, we come into Jesus and the price is free. But the, but the cost of maintenance is not free. The cost of maintenance is not free. You know, we've got, you know, you go out and you buy you a brand new car and it comes with a warranty. But, you know, that warranty does you no good if you don't take it back to the dealer and say, um, I'm under warranty. I need you to help fix my problem. You've got to take it back to the dealer. Well, guess what? When you're a Christian and you come into Christ, sometimes you've got to take yourself to the shop. Sometimes you've got to take yourself in for maintenance. How do you do maintenance? Through meditation. Through Amen. meditation. He said the same. Now, if you'll do the work to get, if you'll do your maintenance work, he said, then I'll abide in you. He said this, but I'm going to tell you what, that warranty only lasts for so long. That new birth, woo! I mean, you could believe, I heard one pastor say this. He said, I believe when it comes to the new, he said, I believe when it comes to the, to the baby Christian, the new believer, if it were possible, they could believe for a pink elephant and God would give it to them. Because it just seems like it works so easily for them. Why? Because God's showing them that he loves them. But at some point, he says, baby, it's time for you to grow up. Well, guess what? They're going to take care of the car for a while. But then once you get so much mileage on it or so much time has gone by, then guess what the dealer says? It's now time for you to pay the maintenance cost. Well, guess what? Jesus is telling you it's time for you to pay the maintenance cost by making sure that you abide in me. And if you abide in me, you'll bring forth much fruit. You know what the fruit is? The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, and self-control. We understand that that's the fruit of the Spirit. But you know what the bigger fruit is? The souls, you'll win people to Christ by how you live. And also, it's the promise of God. It's the provision of God. It's supernatural health. It's supernatural healing. It's high finances so that you can finance the kingdom. Come on. He said, and then look, there's a colon. Everything you do in life, if you want to produce good fruit in life, you're going to have to do it this way. Because if you try to do it any other way, it's not going to work because he very clearly said, Jesus said, there's not a single thing that you can do outside of me. And some people will say, well, I can't do anything without Jesus. I, 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 there ain't nothing I do in my life that I don't do without Jesus. And uh, they're full of sin. Jesus is not helping you to sin. No. But that's the indication. Oh, I take Jesus. I take Jesus with me into the. I take Jesus everywhere I go, into the bar houses and into the. You need to fill in, huh? 
the short-term stay rooms. That's a good way to say it. Okay. Um, just, you know, I, I take Jesus with me. I take, look, look, look. I take Jesus with me into the tattoo parlor. Look, I got his word on my arm. Why don't you ask your spirit how your spirit feels about that? Your spirit will give you a different answer. Come on. Abide in me. Abide in me. He said you can't do nothing. Let's keep reading. All right. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Let me, let me be very clear about what Jesus said here. He was being very politically sweet and kind, and he was helping them to understand because they dealt with a lot of violence. He said, um, if you're not going to do the work to be abiding in me, you're going to get cut off, and you're going to be separated from me for all of eternity, and you're going to spend eternity in hell. That's what he said. You've got to do your maintenance. You've got to do your maintenance. Oh, but come on. Let's get, read a little bit more. Let's get to that verse. All right. If ye abide, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You need to box, highlight something, that word, words. words. Because that word, words, is the word rhema. And he says, really what Jesus said is, Jesus said, if you abide in me, in other words, if you will spend time in, in me, and with in, me, in my word, because Jesus is the word. If you spend time in my word, then my... And it's not just spend time. Because abide means to live To in, live in. To, to dwell. dwell in. That you live by it's, it. It's not just, I give you five minutes of my time here or an hour of my time there. It's all the time. There's a it's scripture, where you live. There's a scripture that says to, to eat the word. To eat the word. And Joyce Myers was so... I heard her, I heard her say this herself. She said when she first came into Christ, she was so desperate for the word that she found that scripture that said that she was to eat the word, that she cut that out of her Bible and literally ate it. Because she, she didn't have understanding, but she wanted, the, she wanted God, so she literally ate the word. But that's what we, that's honestly the concept that we should have is that we are constantly digesting the word. Constantly digesting that word. He said, if you abide in me and my spirit spoken words, the words that Jesus speaks by the spirit, if those words will get down on the inside of you and live in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Most people's prayers do not work because they do not take time to get the word in them to the point that they become spirit-spoken words. How do you get them to be spirit-spoken words? You get them to be spirit-spoken words through meditation. I love my Jesus. I was telling the girls, I said, I don't know what is wrong with me. I have, I, I, all this, I have this fascination with cows. I, all this, for some reason. Like I, I, like, I typically think, I think that, like, people wearing, like, animal prints is a little odd. 
like to me, I just kind of, I'm like, we're like, that's just odd to me. But I have this incredible, as you see, I have my cows today. I, I bought me some cow shoes. I really wanted to wear my cow shoes, but they're not dressy. doesn't honor God. But I really wanted to. Uh, but I have this incredible fascination with cows all of a sudden. And it's been building for years. This, this fascination with cows has been building for years. And as I was standing here and I was just talking about this spirit spoken word, and, and, I, and this is how the Lord talks to me, like, I realized, wait, I'm wearing my cow print today. Oh, this is going this, this to work out really well. And then it clicked with me why I have this incredible fascination with cows all of a sudden. Well, it's not all of a sudden. It's been building for years. Because meditation, because meditation is like a cow chewing its cud. A cow will get, get a piece of food and, or get their food. They'll fill their stomach with food, and then they go lay down or stand. And, what are, and they begin to what they call ruminate, ruminate. And what they do is they take what they just swallowed, and they have this incredible ability to bring it back up and chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it and swallow it. And their body knows, oh, that's been chewed a second time. That goes in a different compartment. It goes in a different place. And then they bring it up again. And they chew that food a third time. And they chew it, and, and, and they, don't just, they don't just bring it up and go and swallow. No, they chew and chew and chew and chew and chew and chew and chew, and then they swallow. They do this seven times with every bite of food. Seven times with every individual bite of food. And every single time they re-chew their food, they get more nourishment out of that original bite. Out of that original bite, they get more nourishment. There's this guy, uh, this uh, Iowa dairy farmer that I started following on Facebook because I was so fascinated with cows. I've um, been meditating on cows. I've been meditating on this. And he has these collars. Every cow has a collar. And the collar measures how much that cow ruminates in a day. And they have proven scientifically that the more a cow ruminates, the more milk that cow will produce. There's, there's, there, so the more you chew, the more you process, the more you get, the more you just mull it over and over and over and over, the more nourishment you're going to get. So why do we preach the same things over and over and over? Jackie and Derek have been with Pastor Mike and I for so long that they can largely preach a lot of our sermons for us. But guess what? They've learned how to get something new out of it every time. Because that's the way because, we're supposed to be with the right. Word. We're supposed to ruminate on the Word or meditate on the Word. We're so, supposed to bring it back up and, and chew it over and mull it over and think about it and chew it some more and chew it some more and then, and then bring it back down. And then every time we do that, we get more out of it. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. That's right after Deuteronomy. I love Joshua. I relate to Joshua. Joshua was Moses' servant. 
Joshua was with Moses everywhere. Joshua actually, remember when Moses was going up the mountain and the Israelites were not allowed to go? Most people don't realize this. Joshua was allowed to go halfway. Joshua was allowed to go halfway up the mountain. And then he had to stay. But Joshua was at the halfway point for 40 days also. And I'm like, he, what did he do? He followed Moses everywhere he went. He did everything that Moses did. Joshua was inside the tent when the Lord came down and met with Moses at the door of the tent. Josh, do you think God didn't know Joshua was in the tent? No, he knew Joshua was in the tent. But Joshua, Joshua had enough reverence and respect for him to just sit there and just, I guarantee you, Joshua ruminated over every word that he heard. I guarantee you, he ruminated over every single word that God spoke to Moses. And then when Moses spoke what God told him to speak to the people, Joshua watched that. And Joshua, knowing what God said when he heard Moses, his minister, speak it to his pastor, speak those words, I guarantee you a different level of revelation hit Joshua. Why? Because he's meditating. He's hearing it differently. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Okay. Now. What book are they talking about? They're talking about the, the Pentateuch, the first five books. But how much, you know, we've had uh, 61 books added. Uh, this, this, this command of don't let this leave your mouth didn't only, hold, didn't only pertain to the five books. It pertains to every holy scripture. And he said this, he said, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. This doesn't mean that you're not to ever speak the word. It means you're to never stop speaking the word. Amen. Never stop. He said, he didn't say don't let it. He said, he didn't say don't let it leave your mind. He said, don't let it leave your mouth. Your mouth. Listen, those cows could not get any more nutrients out of that first bite if they did not use their mouth. You're not going to get any more word, any more nourishment out of the word if you will not ruminate through your mouth. You've got to speak it over and over and over and over and over. We're not, this is not... I've got some checklist people in our congregation. These are people that, that okay, God, give me the checklist. I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. And that's not a bad thing at all. It's a wonderful gift from God, but you've got to keep that gift in perspective and not let that gift get you in the ditch. Because some people go, okay, I've got to say it 60 times, and then I'll have it. That's not, this is not a checklist command. That's not what this command is. This is a command to, to get you into faith. Say it and say it and say it. What does Romans tell us? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. hearing. And hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Really what it means is it means hearing the, the spirit spoken word of God is really what it means. 
So you've got to say it so many times that all of the sudden, instead of saying it out of your head knowledge, you begin to speak it out of your spirit. It becomes a part of your spirit. It becomes a part of it. Derek has gotten two it's new cars off of this principle. Derek has said, I'm getting a car. God, and he would say it this way. He'd say, God's getting me a car. He wouldn't say, I'm getting me a car. He would literally say, God's getting me a car. Okay, God, I believe in you for my car. God's getting me a car. God's getting me a car. God's getting me. I mean, I heard it so much that there were times I was like, Derek. And then he said it so much that, but it wasn't coming to pass, that God gave Pastor Michael an awesome revelation. An awesome revelation. Now Derek, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Derek, <laughs> I understand you're believing God for a car. Yes, Pastor, oh, well, I'm believing for a gotcha. car. We're at the Mexican restaurant. Yes, yeah, having dinner. He said, yes, Pastor, I'm believing for a car. He said, Derek, let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Pastor, what is it? He said, now, if you haven't experienced this yet, just know when Pastor Mike sets down his silverware and gets kind of serious looking at you, just be ready. The bomb's about to drop. And uh, he said, he set it down, and he was thinking, and he said, he said, Derek, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. He said, you're believing for a car, right? He said, yeah. He said, you know, faith requires an action, right? He said, yes, sir, I know that. He said, Derek, do you have a driver's license? And Derek suddenly became almost as white as me. <laughs> almost. He said, no, Pastor. He said, Derek, I highly suggest that you get yourself a driver's license so that when God gets you the car, you'll be able to drive it. <laughs> so faith is you got to have some tangible something to show you're in faith. Derek went out, got his car, went out, got his driver's license, got his insurance. What are you going to insure? Just insure yourself. It'll be okay. Got out there, did that, and then a couple, several weeks later, he was sitting. The church was flipped at that point. The sanctuary used to be at that end, and uh, he was sitting at the row that was right in front of the sound booth after service, and he sat down. And he thought for a second, and all of a sudden, he hit his hand on the, on the seat next to him, and he said, God is getting me a car. And I mean, in that moment, he said it differently. He said it from his spirit, and I immediately heard in my spirit, that was in faith. He said, I immediately heard, that was spirit spoken, I'll do it for him. And I just, I giggled and I smiled real big because I thought, okay. And he looked at me. He said, what, Pastor? What? What? I said, nothing. He said, I know that smile. What is it? He said, what did the Lord say? I said, it's fine. It's fine. I believe. You, you just, I said, you just made me happy. Because he did make me happy. I wasn't lying. I said, you just made me happy. And it wasn't but just a few weeks later that here come the, car, the first car. And then a while later, here come the second car. See, God wants to reward us. But we got to work with him. He said, well, so, let's finish reading this verse. You got something? You I, had something. I do, but go ahead. But, no, go ahead. You, you, uh, you take it. Run. So, so Derek got, got rewarded because he was, he was a doer of the word. He was meditating on the word. He was, he, was, he was repeating it out of his mouth. He was confessing continually that, he was, that God was going to get him in this car. 
Well, and, and as as Robbie said, when when the when the spirit recognized that it became a spirit spoken word, that happens when that word gets down on the inside of your spirit, and then you speak it back out. Mm -hmm. So, so, but the interesting thing is, is 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 the spirit spoken word. Yep. What is Jesus? Jesus is the word. When you get that's when that word becomes a part of you. And you when abide in him, then you will you will ask, and everything you ask will be given unto you. So we, so Jesus Jesus gets inside of us by our meditating on the word, by our our speaking the word, by our doing the things that he's called us to do. But by doing that, he becomes a part of us. That the Bible says he lives on the inside of us. How does he do that if we don't bring him in? If we don't invite him in? If we don't do the work to, to maintain that connection. Yep. He said, but thou or but you shall, shall, this is a commandment word, shall, you will do this. You will meditate therein. How often? Day and, and night. And if you, so here's the deal. If you will meditate Day and night, look at what happens. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So many people say, Pastor, I'm just not good at being a doer of the word. I'm just not good at being a doer. I'm not good at being a doer. Well, that, you, know what, every, you know what that tells me immediately? You are not a meditator. <clears throat> because if you were a meditator you would automatically become an observer of the word. You would automatically become a doer of the word. Most people's problem is not a lack of faith. It's a lack of meditation. A lack of meditation. He said, meditate. He said, you're to meditate day and night. And here's why. So that you will begin to observe to do. According to what? Some of the wall? Nope. All of the law, all that is written therein, colon, and once you begin to be a doer of the word, then look at what happens. For then shall thy make thy way prosperous. This is, everybody's looking to God to prosper, and God says, you want to prosper? You're going to prosper by meditating, and by meditating, then becoming a doer. And then once you're a, do once you're a meditator and a doer, then your way will automatically begin to prosper, and then you will have good success. But so many people want the good success without the meditating and the observing of the word. And see, as, as we told you last week, um, the Jews trained their children from from oh that was Wednesday from a, night from about when they when they when they first Little. start learning to read and stuff they're learning to read and they're studying the scriptures you know yeah. in the in the old oh, that days that was week. just the, the the Pentateuch and stuff but they were they were learning that and that until they were ten years old that's what they mm -hmm. studied and that and that at that point week. you know they've got the word on the inside of them you know at that yeah. point they're, they're they're setting them up for success they're they're setting them up to be able to be a good Jew and, and to, to follow that word and have that word on the inside of them ready to do and observe all that is written therein. Because if they don't know all that's written therein, they can't do it, you know. Uh, but And then from that point, 
then they then then if they're if they're if their teachers recognize some that spark in them that that they're, they're that they're wanting oh, to, that, right. that the Holy Spirit wants them to follow follow uh, God, then they started teaching them to interpret the word. But they they spend that that whole you know from first when they're years. first starting to read to when they're ten years old, they're 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 going over the same scriptures over and over and over again, day and night, every day, for years. Yep. To yep. get that on the inside of them. Yep. So how did we get Pastor Michael to only, so let's go back. We hadn't forgot about it, the chainsaw injury. How did we have such a miraculous outcome? We meditated day and night. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to meditating, there's certain things in God, and people get in the ditch on this, so listen to me very carefully. There are certain things about God that you have to start in the flesh and you will end up over into the spirit. So we knew to get the miraculous healing that we needed, uh, we knew that this was stretching our faith. So what did we need to do? We needed to get the word in us so full that the word was spirit spoken, which means we had to meditate. We had to speak the word. We knew the steps. What was going to keep us out of doubt? meditation ruminating on the word so i had to change his bandages twice a day so we had that at that time we had 109 healing scriptures we have 110 now i got to print some more of them um but we had 109 healing scriptures that had been personalized and so what i would what we would do is i would hand him the scriptures and he would hand me his foot and he would read and now the type of injury that he had, he had to have it heal from the inside out. You have to do this thing that's called debreeding, which basically means you have to rip off the scabs every day, twice a day. In layman's terms, that's kind of what you're doing uh, to make sure that it healed properly. Uh, and the doctor said, you know, in the beginning it's going to be real painful, but the nerves will get used to it over time and what have you. Well, we were into it a few days, and he said, you're doing it wrong, and there yeah, was a lot of trauma, and we, we called some friends of ours that were both nurses. It was husband and wife. They were both nurses, and they were on, we were on the speakerphone, and I said, he won't let me touch his foot because he swears up and down I'm doing it wrong. And I was talking to the wife, and in the background, the husband said, let me ask you a question. And I said, okay. He said, when you do it. both nurses, the yeah. husband and the wife. He said, when you do it, does he scream like a little girl? And I said, yes, he does. He said, brother, I'm sorry to inform you, but she's doing it correctly. So how much, you know, that's, 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 work, that, that's putting you some doubt, fear, unbelief. That's working your emotions. Uh, that's causing some problems. So, so, so what we did, what we were doing is I'd hand him the scriptures and I'd say, start reading. And he'd start to read. And I'd go to work on his foot, and he'd say him, and I'd say him with him, right behind him or right with him. And I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes it was as dry and mundane and just seriously. I mean, and because it took about 20 minutes to get through them and just dry and felt like God wasn't anywhere near us. There were other times that he'd be weeping and crying because the word was working its way down. And while he's weeping and crying, I'm over there laughing and rejoicing. 
Then there'd be times I'd be weeping and crying and he'd be laughing and rejoicing. Then there'd be times that we'd both be weeping and both be, and then we'd both be laughing. But there were plenty of times. In fact, most often it was dry and mundane, especially in the beginning. I'll tell you what, though. There's one thing about pain is it will get you serious about stuff really quick. Yeah. You yeah. Know, once I got the word from, from our friends that this she was doing it right and, and th- you're going to feel this pain, yeah. I got serious with those scriptures. Yeah. And I'll tell you, almost immediately there was a change. Yeah. Because once I started reading those scriptures, I didn't feel the pain. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to get it, it would occasionally twinge, but for the most part, I, as long as I was focused on, on God, I didn't feel the pain. Put Jesus first. And uh, so we did it every morning. We did it every evening. Now, remember, we were told you're basically guaranteed an infection. You're guaranteed that this will only be your first surgery. You will absolutely have to have a second surgery, probably a third or even more surgeries. More than likely, they're, because of how the bone is cut, they're going to have to shorten your toe. You're going to have to have special shoes all the days of your life. You're going to walk. If you walk, you'll walk with a cane or a limp, and uh, you're probably never going to fight fire again. And uh, Michael, we listened to the report, and Michael said, uh, respectfully, can we pray? He said, I'll take all the help I can get, uh, and we prayed. And then he walked out of the room, and he said, I appreciate the doctor's report, but I'm not receiving it. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And so we were, so what were we were doing? So we had 100 scriptures, 109 scriptures, which meant twice a day. We were quoting the word. We were speaking the word over his foot 200 plus times a day. Speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. And that didn't count all the times in between that we would speak the word. But we were definitely doing it over twi- over 200 times a day. And then there came one day, we, it, things were, it was progressing, it was doing really good. We, the alarm clocks didn't go off, something happened, we were late. Uh, I do the bandages and poof, out the door we go. We didn't take the time to read the scriptures. Had a long day, came home that night and uh, Opened up his bandages and all that. His foot, his foot was red. His foot was swollen. Uh, went to pull out the the gauze, not to make anything gross, but you need to understand how quickly these things happen. And uh, the the blood that would come out with it was that very nasty brown, stinking to high heaven, kind of make you a little blood. And I told Michael, I said, an infection is trying to set in. And he said, I can feel the pain. And, I, and literally, this is what I said out of my mouth. I said, oh, no, Satan, I see you. I said, I don't know what happened this morning, but you are the reason that we didn't get to do our scriptures this morning. Listen, when you come under pressure, that's not the time to throw in the towel. That is the time to double down. Amen. And so I said, just for that, you foul, stinking spirit, we will now do the scriptures three times a day. And if you mess with me, we'll do it four or five. And I said, now we're going to do it. Not only are we going to do it once tonight, we're going to do it twice. And we were exhausted. And Michael looked at me with this face of, I just want in the bed. I said, we are doing them twice. And he said, yes, ma'am. 
And we went through them. And I mean, God showed up. And he, had, he, he never had a second surgery. He's never, had, he's, he's never had to have anything else done to his foot. Other than that one evening, there was no infection whatsoever. Nope. And I mean, I pushed, and I mean, I put him through it because I said, you're going to have to read because I'm going to have to get every bit of this nasty brown out. And I mean, I cleaned it. And he just, oh, he was, woo, honey. I felt that. He felt that yeah. one. I said, we ain't playing this game, Satan. But the next day, that it was gone. Yeah. By that morning, it was gone. The word was working. See, you got to put some tangible to your faith. You got to put you got to put your mouth in motion. You got to meditate. I was I, there's a sermon by Dad Hagen. It's one of the faith classics. And and, and I and as I said, as ahead. I said, you know, like six months later, out comes this chunk of leather. Yeah. Out of the top of my foot, like two and a half inches away from where the cut was. Yeah, I mean, it was. I was it, like, it was no, wow, it, it, how did I it mean, as far, it was about as far as away as they could get from the cut and it's, still be on my foot. Yeah, I mean, it was on. The, I said, how in the world did it get over there? He said, I don't know. That wasn't the only piece of leather that came out either. That was just the biggest piece. Um, but I was listening to Dad Hagen. This is what you have to understand about meditation. I was listening to uh, one of Dad Hagen's. It's a classic sermon, and I love it so much. Teaching, teaching about uh, faith and healing. And he said this, he said, and I have listened to this message probably more than 100, 150 times. It's one of my favorites. And uh, in this message, he talks about how he was on the road and he'd be traveling, and he'd get a letter or a phone call that somebody at home was sick and they wanted him to pray for him. And he said this, he said, before I ever prayed for him, he said, I would always spend time meditating on the word. And he said, what I would do, because his habit was to pray and diligently seek the Lord at night. He believed that came from when he was on the sick bed. He uh, always had to seek the Lord at night because otherwise people were around him and he just got in that habit. So what he would do is he would meditate for a while and then he'd sleep for about an hour and then he'd get up and he'd go back through meditating for a while and he'd go back to sleep for about an hour and he did this all night long on and off all night long and he said he got to the point that many times in fact the great majority of the time the people would receive their healing he'd know that they had received it simply while he was meditating and he said i used to get frustrated because i never even got to the praying part i never got to actually pray i would just meditate and it get done and I thought, and I just got, and I, and I mean, and I listened to it, and 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 then all of a sudden, one day, it hit me. Because I always wondered, how did they get healed while he's meditating? Because to get healing, you got to receive. And I always wondered, how does he do that? And then all of a sudden, one day, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. He'd be laying on his bed, quoting the word. That's how he was meditating, is he was speaking the word. In my mind, I thought he was laying on the bed, just thinking it over in his mind. But no, he wasn't thinking it over in his mind. He was laying on the bed or sitting in the chair or pacing the floor, however he was doing it, and he was speaking the word, speaking the word. 
So meditation is the speaking of the word to the point that the word becomes real to your spirit and then you speak it by the spirit and once you speak it by the spirit, you have it. You have it. So here's the deal. Your faith will not work appropriately without meditation. You can you you will fail to receive if you do not meditate. But praise God, we can meditate, receive the word. This is why I know we're here at time, but I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Hebrews 10:23. Don't put your notes away yet. I want to give you a few scriptures you can look up for homework to see this even more fully. I've got to get past all my T's. Hebrews 10, verse 23. This is why Paul, through the Holy Ghost, instructs us this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. That word profession in other places in the scriptures is translated confession. So we could say it this way. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. See, when that infection showed up, we had a marvelous opportunity to waver. Amen. We had a marvelous opportunity to say, oh, there's the infection that the doctor promised us. I guess we'll call the doctor in the morning and get him on the scene. I guess God's word's not true. I guess this word doesn't work. We had this opportunity to get into doubt and unbelief. Or we had an opportunity to take God at his word and trust him and double down on it and say, uh-uh, my God said he, by his stripes, we were healed, that we was healed, therefore we are healed, and we are going to take it. The Bible says that, that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence because of faith. What did we do? We came violently, aggressively through the spirit and said, uh-uh, devil, you ain't putting that on us. We're taking our healing and we will not be denied. You've got to listen. To be a Christian is not a mamsy-pamsy walk. It's not. To be a Christian, you've got to have some fight. The Bible tells us that we've got to fight the good fight of faith. We've got to be some people of fight. We've got to be some people of some vigor. We've got to get up and say, uh-uh. Sometimes you've got to get up and you've got to punch the devil in the face with the word of God. Sometimes you've got to just look at him and say, we ain't going to do this. Michael and I came out of poverty because we because every time he said, oh, no, you better not give that dollar. You need that gas money. Every time he said, you better not give that $5. What you going to eat? We said, watch this devil, and we doubled up the offering every time. And I'd even get so bold to say, go ahead. I'd write the check big, and then I'd say, go ahead, say something, and I'll double that too with tears and fear and trembling. But what is that? It's faith. And we've never been denied. Not one time has God ever denied us when we meditated 
and God in faith. Now, there's been plenty of times that we did the faith without the meditating and got denied. But I've learned that's not the way to do it. Now, now, now can I be honest with you all? Please do. Okay. When, <laughs> when that infection started to set in my foot, my first thoughts were what she said. My first thoughts were, oh, man, if we've been doing this and it's not working. But I didn't let it come out of my mouth. Mm-mm. And Robbie jumped right in and said, oh, no, devil. And I was like, I agreed with her, you know. We did. And, you know, but I'm sure moment. the first thoughts that came into her mind as well were, oh, my gosh, this is not working. But you don't let the devil win. You don't let him, you don't let him hear you backing down. The first thing when I saw his foot, terror struck my heart. I'm being, I'm being completely honest. Absolute fear, fear and terror struck my heart. It did. I mean, talk about being discouraged in the moment. I mean, almost panicked. But, my, but I had so much word in my spirit that my spirit was strong enough to override that and say, no. Because I'm going to tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't Robbie the person that said, no, we ain't doing this. It was Robbie the spirit, the eternal being that said, uh-uh, no. You got to grow your spirit. You can't grow your head. You got to grow your spirit. Because in that moment, my head was freaking out. But, but Robbie and I decided right off the bat that we were going to, we were going to follow God on this and that we were going to read the scriptures and that we were going to believe for complete healing. The only thing the devil got over on me on this was I said, you know, but I'd really like to have a cool scar. And Robbie's like, you better not say that. And, and we she, had an argument like, in the take, doctor's office. You take that back right now. And I was like, but I, w- I would like to have a cool scar. Well, the devil never let that go. And every time I, w- I started going, man, it'd be cool not to have a scar. And he'd be like, ha, you said it. But. You got to be careful of your words. Yeah. But I will say this because I fought him on it tooth and nail. I mean, right in front of the doctor, I said, ah, I said, you've got beautiful feet. I said, honey, you don't even have calluses on your feet from when. Because, listen, his feet were burned as a child. He was in a wheelchair for six months to a year of his life. He ha- he's got the prettiest feet I've ever seen in my, in, 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 on a person. Yeah. And I, I said, no. I said, you've got pretty feet. I said, God, I said, those are blessed feet. God's already healed those feet. God's already left those feet with no scars. You're not having a scar in the name of Jesus. And I will tell you that though he has a scar, it continues to get smaller and smaller and smaller. To sometimes when his feet are bare, I have to kind of double check, like double look at it. I'm like, oh, no, it's still there. And the devil says he said he wanted it. No. Yeah, when I, when I, was, when I was really young, uh, I got through an accident. I, I got... Uh, Third degree burns on bottoms of both my feet. They had to peel the skin off the bottom of my feet all the way down to the meat. And and I ended up being in a wheelchair for six months. And when when they uh, and the doctors were saying, you know, he's going to have webbed feet. He's going to have all these terrible scars. It's going to be horrible. My grandmother was a woman of prayer, and she said, no. She said, we're not having that. Yep. And when, when, the, when the bandages finally came off, there wasn't a scar on my feet. In fact, before the 
before I got burnt, I had really bad planter's warts because I ran barefoot everywhere. You know, I was just a total barefoot person. And uh, I had really bad planter's warts. And, be and before the before the burns, they were they were just awful. And they couldn't, couldn't the doctors couldn't control them or any of that stuff. But afterwards, no warts on you, my feet. I see some of you holding your notebooks and your pens. Let me give you these scriptures. Um, so we did Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. We did Hebrews 10, 23. The, uh, the next one is Hebrews 10, 38. Hebrews, verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 2, verse 4. So in Hebrews, that's, 11, that's chapter 11, verses 1 and 6. Chapter 10, verse 23 and 38. Chapter 4, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 4. Then you got Romans, chapter 1, verse 17. Galatians 3, 11. So Romans 1, 17. Galatians, Gal uh, Romans 1, 1 17. Romans 1, 17. Galatians 3, 11. We did Joshua 1.8. Then the next, the, the rest of these are in Psalms. You've got Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. And then you've got Psalms 119. All of these verses are in Psalms 119. Verse 1, verse 97, verse 113. Verse 163 and verse 165. Let me go through those in Psalms again. Psalms chapter 1, verse 2, and then chapter 119, and all of these verses in 119. Um, verse 1, verse 97, verse 113, verse 163. And verse 165. And it all has to do with meditating on the word, loving the law, speaking the law, uh, being obedient to the law. And, and when you put all these scriptures together, it just really brings just an awesome revelation of how important meditating on the word and, and faith go hand in hand. Uh, if our ushers will come. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. It's an honor and a privilege and uh, to spend our anniversary in the pulpit of God with the family Amen. of God. You know, when you get married, it's kind of funny, when you get married, you kind of you, you try to imagine what life will look like five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty years down the line. You kind of try to figure it all out. Um, and I assure you, one of my scenarios was never Pastor Michael and I in the pulpit preaching together. Uh, but glory to God, I wouldn't change it for anything. No. I'm telling you what, we've got a lot of single people in the house. Wait for the person that God has for you. Pray for them. Pray that God prepares the perfect person I've got one person that I've been encouraging lately, um, you know, because, you know, uh, he's kind of wondering, 
is, is, am I doing something wrong? And I, I keep telling them, no, you're not doing anything wrong. And in this particular situation, I happen to, to know, because it's a, it's, a, it's a man, it's a young man. I happen to know of um, a couple of young ladies that probably would have been a very good match for him. Just, I know his personality, I know their personality, probably would have been a very good match. But they didn't stay with God, and he did. They didn't stay, and he did. Uh, so, you know, that means it's back to the drawing board for God. No, God's got several he's working on. Um, but, so, so stay in with God. Keep preparing yourself, but also pray that your future spouse, uh, it, it stays in the preparation process. That they have some longevity, that they don't quit on God. Pray them through. Don't just pray for yourself, but pray for your future spouse. Pray that God prepares them specifically for you. This is an area where you can exercise your faith. You know, my, my future spouse, uh, they're strong where I'm weak. They love God with all their heart. They know how to hear from heaven. They know how to speak to my heart when I'm kind of being bullheaded. You know, whatever you need, begin to pray for God to bring you that person. Um, and, and then be patient. And the other thing I'm going to say on that subject, because I don't even know why we're on that subject, but somebody need to hear it. Most of the time, the first one that shows up is not the one. Because the devil's going to send you somebody to try to get you first. Distraction. <laughs> to, to distract you. So... Be careful. That doesn't mean, oh, oh, the first one showed up. Okay, I'm going to kick you to the curb. Here comes the second one. That's the one. No, use wisdom. You know, bless. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the word that you've spoken. We thank you that you, that you caused your word to be written down in a, in a form that I, that I could hold in my hand and thank carry you, with me all the days of my life. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that word, that that word is the true word of God, that that word is truly spoken and it is the truth and that we can hold fast to that word, Lord. We thank you for for encouraging us and strengthening us to put that word in our mouths both day and night, to study it and to meditate on it and to get it on the inside of us so that we can truly be a part of your body, Lord, that we can truly be that which you've called us to be, that we can do what you said that we can do, that we can be who you said we can be. Lord, we thank you for making this available to us, and we ask that you strengthen us, that we purpose in our hearts to do this, to read on this word day and night, to meditate on this word day and night, and to never let it leave our mouths. Lord, we thank you for this plan that you've made, this way that you've made for us to be part of you and we thank you for it satan we bind you in the name of jesus you cannot come to steal kill and destroy and you will not take this word from us this word is rooted and grounded in our hearts it is a part of us it is inside of us it lives in us and we will speak out the rhema word of god and you will flee in jesus name thank you lord thank you father Father, we thank you that your word is true and that your word is working. Father, we thank you that you cause us to be, that you make us a blessing so that we can be a blessing. And Father, 
We just give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody that needs healing this morning? I just keep hearing the word healing. It might be somebody online. Let's just say this together. Father. Father, your word, your word says, says that by Jesus' stripes, that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I was healed. Therefore, therefore, I am healed. I am healed. So body, so body, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I command all sickness. I command all sickness. All disease. All disease. Any type of ailment any type of ailment to leave my body to leave my body right now in jesus right name. now in jesus get out name. you ain't got no right you ain't got no right father father i thank you i thank you that i am the healed of the lord that i am the healed of the lord in jesus name in jesus name amen and amen, amen. glory 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 like i said it's i think it's somebody online but if it's how we just can't look across you can serve the people um, you just never know. Glory to God. We'll praise the Lord. I know we're over, but I don't apologize. Glory to God. You know, we can't put God on a time clock. You know, Paul, Paul preached all night long. In fact, one person fell dead in his sermon.